Have you ever wondered how realtors transition into luxury sales? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and your host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top 1% producer and luxury real estate agent, Paul Salazar. Before we get to Paul, well, it's the holiday season, so I'm just going to ask for a gift. And uh, don't worry, though. it's it's. I'm actually going to ask for two gifts. The first is to check out what our sponsors are offering. Please, please support our sponsors. We vet them. We only bring to you really high-quality services and products that realtors could use. Please support our sponsors because they're the reason we can keep making these shows. And the second thing we'll ask for, the second gift you can give us is really a simple one. Won't cost you anything. Just tell another agent about the show, especially for 2023. Is it going to be a tough year? We know it's going to be a tough year. Let's make it as least tough? No, that's there's a better way to say that. Let's make it as comfortable as possible by introducing as many people as you can to our show. Our whole intention is really to help you grow your business, and the more people we can reach, we really believe the more people we can help. So help us fulfill our mission by reaching as many agents as possible in 2023 and let them know about keeping it real. And guys, that's all I got. Let's get to the main event, my interview with Paul Salazar. Today on the show, our guest is Paul Salazar with the Paul Salazar Group of Hilton and Highland in Beverly Hills. Um, let me tell you a little bit more about Paul. Now, with over $600 million in total real estate sales and over 200 satisfied clients served, Paul Salazar is a real estate veteran with years of invaluable experience. He has partnered with one of the top luxury firms in the world, Hilton and Highland Beverly Hills. Paul has had a string of 20 plus million dollar properties sold under his belt, making him a true standout in this highly competitive and fast paced industry. Paul's an expert in rebranding and relaunching properties that have been lingering on the market. 
He also works with the de developers to build luxury spec properties all throughout Los Angeles. Please learn more about Paul two places. Uh, I want you to go visit his website, which is Paul Salazar Group, and that's uh, Paul, P-A-U-L-S-A-L-A-Z-A-R group.com. And also find him on Instagram. It's also Paul Salazar Group. We'll have links to both of those in the show notes, so you don't have to type it in. Um, so please go visit Paul. And Paul, welcome to the show. Wow, that was a, uh, quite the intro there. <laughs> well, it's so funny. I was, um, I was feeling weird hearing all that stuff. Yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> it 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 is it is weird. Um, I had somebody recently interview me, which very rarely happens, and they went through you know a list of things like I was just mentioning you, and I was like, well, I don't I don't like to hear that at all. Like, uh, it just doesn't sound just, right for some reason. I know it feels weird. I mean, it's it's great, but it also feels weird. Well, I would love to to talk uh, about all of how you got into luxury, um, but also let's start at the very beginning of your real sure. estate sort of journey. How did you get into real estate and, and why? Okay, so let's start from college, right? Because well, let's start from like like my culture. I'm I'm Colombian, and almost everybody in my in, in my family they have their own business. They're 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 entrepreneurs. My dad, my brothers, my cousins, aunts, uncles, right? So it's kind of in our blood to have our own thing, not to have a boss, not to be told what to do, right? So that's one. Two is that in college, I finished college um, on a study abroad program called Semester at Sea, and that was my last semester of college. I finished that, and then you know I went into the real world, and I was like what am I going to do? Like, I just finished traveling the world with a bunch of college kids, having a blast, drinking, partying, you know, traveling, literally circumnavigating the entire globe. And I was pretty depressed. I, I, I you know, I got to tell you, I was not, I was not in a good place. I was working with my dad. He has his own business, but I did, I knew I didn't want to be in his business. Um, but I also knew I didn't want to have like a regular nine to five job. Right. Like, so it sure. was I'm like, so I'm like, what am I going to do? Right. And I don't really have any capital to like start a business. My mom was in real estate at Century 21 Beachside in Rancho Cucamonga, which is where I went to high school and which is where I lived while I was commuting back and forth to college at UC Riverside. Um, so I would say about three months after semester at sea, you know, I was, you know, I had a few, a, a few interviews with some regular nine to five jobs. Um, and I just, it just wasn't clicking for me, you know? And then, you know, my mom came into my room. I like, I vividly re remember this day and she's like, you know, she used to call me Papito. So she's like, Papito, why don't you, you know, you know, come sell real estate with me. And this is an 06, right? So the market is still on fire. Right. She's doing, this is like the perfect time to get in 06. Yeah. 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 She's doing really well. Like she's traveling. She's, she's, you know, selling a bunch of real estate. I'm like, you know what? That sounds good. You know, I was like, all right. I was like, yeah, sure. You know, let's, let's, let's do it. You know? And so that's, that's how I started to get into real estate is selling real estate in Rancho Cucamonga for Century 21 Beachside. Wow. And and you came in at such an interesting time. I actually bought my first condo in 2006. <clears throat> and uh, upon retrospect, maybe maybe not the ideal time uh, for me to have bought a condo. Of course, none of us yeah. really knew that back then. Yeah. It wasn't like yeah. the writing was so obviously on the wall, of course. Yeah. Um, but but so you started kind of towards the end of the of that boom. Um, and what was it like, uh, you know, starting off in, in, in 2006? You know, it, I, I'm very grateful that I got at least a year of decent market under my belt, you know, of like 
doing transactions with my mom as I'm learning the business, right? Um, and I also helped enhance her business as well because you know I had a business background in in in, in college, right? Which helped a little bit. Let's be honest. You know, you don't really learn a lot in college, at least specific to real estate. Um, but you know, I think I I was able to use what I learned in college um, to help her grow her business, and so we we created the Salazar team. It was Team Salazar. That was the the name of our our team, just me and her, and we had a, a like a part time assistant. Um, and you know, I, again, I'm very grateful I didn't start in 08 because I probably wouldn't have made it, and I probably wouldn't have still be in, in the business. So it 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 allowed me to to stay in the business to to have some money saved up for the you know for the rainy days of you know you know 2008 through 2012 right yeah um so it, you know I, again very very grateful for it um but at the same time i was selling very small properties you know two hundred thousand dollar properties three hundred thousand every once in a while we'll we'll, we'll break a five hundred thousand dollar property and i was really excited about that you know but it, it was it, it was great, you know. I, I'm again very very grateful for that for the opportunity that my mom gave me. Yeah, it's it's a, gr- a really good opportunity to be able to work with somebody who's who's established, who's successful, uh, and also you get to learn, um, <clears throat> you know. So I imagine your mom was was I imagine a, a pretty pretty great mentor to you. She was, you know, and we we've always had a really great relationship. And I was living, you know, so my parents were divorced already. So it was just me and her in the house. Um, so I, I, again, if you're starting real estate and you have like a bunch of bills and debt, it's really hard because it's, you know, it takes about yes. three to six months, maybe a year to get, you know, get, get going. So um, living at home really allowed me to, I had very, very little bills, you know, maybe the, a thousand bucks, maybe $2,000 a month, which is nothing, right? And retrospect, you know, so yeah. if I closed one big deal, big being, you know, $300,000 or something like that, I would, I would keep 5,000 bucks and I would have enough money for like three months. And that's what I would do. I would save up the money and I knew I had enough money to last me another six months. And then I just kept on growing that, 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 that nest egg to a year to two years. And I just kind of kept on growing from there. Wow. And at what point did you decide to, to make a shift from, from working with your mom or working in, in Rancho Cucamonga and then, you know, making a shift to, uh, to where you are now? Yeah. So, so, you know, the crash happened in, at the end of 07 and 08, right. I started selling some short sales. That's what kind of kept me kind of going is just selling short sales. Right. Um, and my mom always pushed me. She's like, Papito, you can always sell you know, luxury properties. Like, why don't you go out there and to like Beverly Hills and like start selling some luxury properties. And to me, I always had doubts, you know, like my, my mindset wasn't there. Like, I was like, I don't think I can do that. I don't know anybody there. I don't know the market there. I don't have any connections. And even though we live only an hour away, but I could be from Ohio, it'd be the same right. freaking thing. You know, Felt like, like another universe almost. Yeah. A, a completely different universe. And I had no connections. Like I, I literally knew nobody that lived in that, in that area. My whole family was in Rancho or Pasadena or in this area, right? So at the time, my girlfriend lived in Brentwood, which is like West West LA, the West side, right? And so I was commuting back and forth, right? And my mom had gone to Columbia in 2000, at the beginning of 2009, or actually or 2008 or something like that. And she had met her now husband, right? So it was a perfect transition. She's like, she had called me and she was on, on vacation for like a month in Columbia. 
And she's like, hey, I wanted to let you know that I, I, I met some guy. And it, like my heart dropped. It's like, we've met some guy, you know, in <laughs> Colombia. And she's like, yeah, I met some guy in Colombia. And, and, you know, of course, being the son and, you know, she's being divorced. I was very protective. Sure. So I was, I was like, oh, I don't know about this mom. She was like, yeah, we're going to get like thinking about getting married. I'm like, you just met the guy like a month ago, <laughs> you know. So but it ended up working out. Right. So since I was commuting back and forth. My mom had now planned to move to Colombia to go live with her now husband. Um, it was a perfect transition for me to be like, you know what? Let me move to LA. Let me try it out. You know, give it a shot. I had saved enough money for about six months of of living in in LA, right? So, so my plan was I moved to LA to to, to downtown LA. So, which is kind of like not in Beverly Hills or not in the West Side where I live now. Sure. But kind of like a like a like a middle ground because like all my friends and family still live in Rancho, right? So right. I didn't want to be too far away from them as well. So I moved to downtown LA with uh, with my best friend from from college, and and we got a place together. And I didn't have a job. I moved to LA without having a job. And I, I said I said to myself, Do I want to start selling real estate? It's going to take me a while to get going. I don't have a budget to to market myself. I don't know anybody. I don't know any of the markets. I don't know any of the areas. I don't know anything about the market. Sure. Right. So I was starting from scratch. I knew how to, I, I had closed at, at that time, probably about 30 deals, 30 or 40 deals with my mom over the last couple of years, the last three years. So I knew about the transaction. Right. Um, but I didn't know about the players. I didn't know about how to sell luxury real estate, which is completely different than selling a house that's worth, you know, two or $300,000. Um, so, so she moved to Columbia in 2009 I moved to downtown LA and I said, you know what, what I should do is I should probably work underneath a top agent. Right. So I emailed my resume to about, you know, 10,000 agents. I, I, I downloaded wow. all the emails, smart, I downloaded, I yeah, love I downloaded that. all the emails from the MLS and I had emailed and I was, I emailed every single person. Right. I love and it. I got, I got a bunch of interviews. I got about 17 interviews, wow. you know? And my last interview was a call with Chad Rogers, who was at the time on Million Dollar Listing yeah. on Bravo. He was one of the original cast members and he was working at Hilton and Highland. And when I'm doing my research, I'm like, this is the best firm in LA, one of the best firms in the world. Like, I really want to be at this firm, you know? And I had gotten no calls from anybody at, at, at Hilton and Highland. The last call I got was from Chad. He called me. He left a message and, and he's like, yeah, I'm on million dollar listing. I'm like, I have no idea who you are. I don't watch that show. <laughs> right. Which he actually liked. Right. So yeah, sure. I called them. Yeah. yeah so because I, you, you weren't, you didn't want to hang out with him because he was on TV. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I called him up, we had an interview and it was a match. It was perfect. So, and, 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 you know, I, you know, I have to give a lot of, you know, of, of gratitude and a lot of credit to Chad for giving me the opportunity to be working under him because he was selling big properties, you know, you know, you know, 15, 18, 20, 21, 22, 23,000, uh, 23 million dollar properties. So because of him, I was able to get into the luxury market and I stayed with him for a long time, um, for about 10 years. I should have left earlier. And I think the reason why I didn't leave is because again, my mindset wasn't there. I didn't feel that I, I can, I could, I can sell real estate on my own, you know? Right. So Chad really taught me how to, how to deal with these high net worth individuals, how to deal with business managers, how to be with, how to deal with lawyers, how the transaction worked, how to list properties in this, in these areas, you know, and his, 
his community was Malibu Colony. And if you're not familiar with Malibu Colony, it's it's only 120 houses right on the beach in Malibu. It's a gated community. Uh, Sting lives there. Um, Jason Statham, um, Pamela Anderson. I mean, so many celebrities call this place home, and his 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 family owned a house there. So he grew up in this in this community. So most of the deals that we that we did were in this community. So I really got to know all the big players um, from from working with him. You know. The only thing, the only downside with working with Chad is that he already had a network, right? Yeah. So he wasn't really out there prospecting like I do nowadays. Sure. So I really didn't learn the business side of real estate through Chad. I just learned how to how to talk to people that are lawyers or CEOs or billionaires, right? I learned how to communicate with these kind of people because he would he would give me a deal, like he would say, Hey, hey, Paul, this is my listing. And I would take it on from there. Like I, I, I did most of the work. I, I really helped him run his business, and and we did well together. And we did well together. And and I think, I think after after ten years, I think what, what, what helped me make that transition from, you know, the mindset was just like I, I again, I just didn't feel, I guess, worthy enough, or I didn't feel, I had the capability of going on my own. Like I feel like I needed somebody to help me out. You know. And I so I, I started to listen to to like to like some podcasts and and Tom Ferry's podcast really kind of resonated with me. Sure, and I really loved to hear what he had to say, and I started to listen to him. You know, he's like, he was he was talking about cold calling, and I was like, I've never cold called in my you know, at this time I think I was in the business for about thirteen years, and I had right. never cold called once in my entire career, and and probably didn't want to either. You're probably like, I don't want to have to do that. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I, I, it's like, it was really scary for me. And at that time when I was working with Chad, I was his assistant. And then after a couple of years, it was like a hybrid model. And we also actually had an assistant. So it was me, him, and we had an assistant. So he would give me deals. I would hold his open houses. I would get deals through, through that. I would get deals now through some like friendships that I had in, in LA. So I, I kind of started to grow my business, but I didn't really grow it that, that, that big. That's why I was also scared to leave him because I didn't really have sure. a big, you know, uh, a big source of business because I would also get like a, like a small percentage of his business as well. But sure. if I left him, I wouldn't be getting that anymore. Right. right. So that's how it started. You know, it's, um, <clears throat> it was a long, it was a long journey with Chad. I learned a lot. I should have left earlier, like probably after five years, but I didn't. And, um, after, you know, listening to Tom's, Tom's podcast for about three months, I joined his coaching program. And after that, I started cold calling. I, I got a couple of my own listings and then I left chat right after that. Wow. I, so I have a few questions. I want to go actually, um, thank you. That is a really incredible story. Yeah. And there's more to the story. I know. Um, I want to go back to just this really smart idea that in all the episodes we've done, I don't think anyone has ever suggested. And it was a really good idea there's so obviously teams are or whether or not you want to be a solo practitioner or a team having yeah. a mentor regardless is a great idea for so many yeah. uh, listeners so paul did something very creative and something that literally anybody can do which is he got he he well in your case you scraped a list of, off the mls of, of realtor emails mm -hmm. you can also buy these lists they're really not that yeah. expensive a couple hundred bucks maybe for for your local area and then he just you know fired out 10,000 emails and 
that is absolutely doable. Uh, so if anyone out there is listening, um, that is essentially how Paul got to into luxury property. He he yeah. invested in reaching out to everyone in his local area and got 17 yeah. uh, interviews. And uh, I mean, it's, it is, it is remarkable. Um, I was just talking to one of the very top producers here in Chicago yesterday, and I was asking her how often, and she's a solo practitioner and she does about a hundred and uh, 60 million a year, just herself wow. alone. And yeah, she, amazing. she's amazing. Um, and she, I was like, how often do people email, do realtors email you asking for mentorship coaching? She's like, Oh, and she's super nice and very sweet. She's like mm. almost never. So it's one of those things wow. that I guess sometimes we think maybe those people are, are getting inundated and, and maybe they are, but maybe they're not. Right. And so I just yeah. wanted to honor you for, for, for sort of being creative in that step. I yeah. I've never heard of anyone doing that. Now that's what yeah. us recruiters do. We, we, we get those lists and yeah, we, yeah. what do we were yeah. recruit realtors. So recruit Recruiters do this all the time, yeah. um, but individual agents, unless the, unless it's like, oh, I have I have a listing and I want to I want to email every realtor to let them know about it. That's another yeah. reason why sometimes people do it. But as far as like to find a mentor or a partner, um, boy, what a smart idea! So again, yeah, I just wanted to step on that a little bit because I think it was a really really smart play. Um, the other thing too, I want to talk about. So many of our listeners, and and I've obviously you know people who are your peers are probably like, how do you get into luxury? Well, you just told the yeah. story of how you got introduced to that world, but then there's that whole step of like, I didn't grow up in Malibu. Uh, I didn't. I don't. I didn't grow up in this gated community of 120 homes where everybody knows yeah. me because those are my neighbors, and uh, yeah. that's what I grew up with. And, and yes, you were introduced to that world, but then it is this pretty big shift of like, I'm going to cut the cord and try to build my own business. And, um, and you said, looking back, you know, maybe you stayed longer than, than you needed to. Um, yeah. but that does require a massive mind shift change to say, okay, I can, I can survive and thrive in that world, even though that isn't my background and it isn't necessarily what I, what I've known my whole life. Um, so I'm curious on what you learned with Tom Ferry's, um, coaching program, which everybody who listens probably knows who Tom Ferry is. If not, he's, mm. he's, an, he's incredible. His dad, Mike Ferry was kind of a famous guy in the, yeah, in the, yeah. um, in the coaching movement, um, Brian mm -hmm. Buffini is another guy. So it's usually yeah. Mike Ferry, Brian Buffini, and Tom Ferry are kind of like the yeah. three biggest names. And all yeah. three of them have have really great stuff to offer. Tom Ferry uh, has kind of kind of having his moment the last like ten years. He's kind of been yeah. the guy who's everyone's yeah. kind of paying attention to. But what did you learn from from Tom's coaching, uh, you know, coaching partners about how to shift your mindset? I mean, so much, right? I mean, uh, there so many different tips that, that, that he kind of suggested, you know, affirmations, some books. Right. But I, I think for me, I think the biggest shift was, um, at the time I, you know, I was, I was single. Um, and I had just started dating this girl, um, uh, who's now my girlfriend and she was an entrepreneur, you know, and she was out there, you know, you know, just like putting herself out there, you know, and I wasn't doing that. And so she, she really kind of inspired me to be like, you know, I can do more, right? Like I can, I can do more with myself. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't need somebody else to help me. I can do it on my own, you know? And it's, it's, I, I think, I, I don't know if there was one thing, I think it was just kind of listening to his podcast and oh, oh, actually the interviews, just like this, this kind of interview that like Tom would do and the interviews that, that, that you do DJ are so important because they allow the listeners 
to get inspired, to hear the stories, because to me, those stories really helped me be like, wow, that person did it. That person did it. And now I started to say, why can't I do it? You know, so those stories really helped me out. And when I was with Chad, I, I wasn't really into the business. Like I was more traveling. I was partying. Um, so I wasn't really focused on my career. I was really more focused on just having a good time, to be honest. Sure. You know? um, um, and, you know, since I had a girlfriend, I had, I had more time to kind of focus on my career instead of, you know, traveling and doing all these other things. Right. But I think hearing the stories was really the most important thing for me in kind of shifting the mindset, right? Because I heard all these stories of all these other amazing agents that started from nothing or they, you know, didn't have anything or it, it, there was, you know, everybody has their own story, right? And, and some stories I can't relate to as much as, as, as other stories, right? So like, like I may relate to certain people, but I may not relate to other people, right? So, sure. but, but, but listening to those interviews was my favorite thing. And, and to this day, I still love to hear those interviews because I learned so much about what these people do, how they grew their business. And I always take one or two things and I implement that in, in my business. I want to pause for a moment to talk about our episode sponsor, our one of my favorite companies out there, Follow Up Boss. Now, after interviewing hundreds of top realtors in the country for this podcast, do you know which CRM is used by more than any other by our guests? Of course, it is Follow Up Boss. And let's face it, following up is the key to taking your business to the next level. Follow Up Boss will help you drive more leads in less time and with less effort. Do not take my word for it. Robert Slack, who runs the number one team in the U.S., uses Follow-Up Boss, and he has built a $1.5 billion business in just six years. Follow-Up Boss integrates with over 250 systems, so you can keep your current tools and lead sources. Also, the best part, they have seven-day-a-week support, so you'll get the help that you need when you need it. And get this, Follow-Up Boss is so sure that you're going to love their CRM that for a limited time, they're offering Keeping It Real listeners a 30-day free trial, which is twice as much time as they give everyone else. And oh, yeah, no credit card required. So you can try it risk-free, but only if you use this special link. Visit followupboss.com forward slash real. That's followupboss.com forward slash real for your free 30-day trial. Follow up like a boss with Follow Up Boss. And now back to our episode. Yeah, well, boy, um, that's exactly our our goal on the show. So I'm glad that that, that worked for you because... Um, you know, it's funny. I was thinking like, oh, it would be really fun to have Chad on the show and it probably would. And I'm sure he's an, um, he would be excellent. But the moment people hear, oh, like if I say, how'd you get into luxury? He's like, well, but you know, I grew up in this area that, you know, that's uh, immediately when a lot of our listeners would be like, oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah. I didn't, I didn't yeah. grow up in an environment like that. So yeah. yes, he's easy for that guy. And of course it isn't necessarily easy if just because you grow up in that environment, but it it, yeah. it is not as relatable. Right. And so I love that, that you, that, that you sort of infiltrated it in, in, in a good way and sort of went, Oh, I, I belong here. I can, I can thrive in, in this environment and just learning how to communicate and, and maybe with people who are in that ultra high net worth space um, and understanding their needs, understanding what the goals of people like that, who I imagine there's people there, you have clients that probably have whole teams of people that you have yeah. to meet with uh, financial people, yeah. accountants, attorneys, agents, mm -hmm. whoever it might be. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not, I imagine it's not just usually like one single buyer and one seller mm -hmm. and then the agents yeah. on either side. So, um, 
what what would you say so so anyway just to continue on in your story um so so you you decided you know you got the courage to kind of go off on on your own cut the cord um and and then you know did you feel at that point that you had made enough headway uh into your your sphere of influence that you were able to sort of survive that way you know i I, again, I think I've I've always had enough money to survive six or, or or twelve months, and I think that's an important thing for agents to to hear, right? And I don't have any kids, right? I don't have any kids yet, um, so it's it's easier for me to 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 grow that like nest egg, right? Just sure. for me, um, but you know, for for anybody else, everybody knows how much they need every single month to be able to say, you know what, if I'm going to go into a new business or to a new venture, I have this much time to 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 actually excel before I'm like you know, broke. Right. So I, I've always been comfortable in that regards where, you know, I could have, again, I could have left, you know, five years before leaving Chad, you know, cause I, I, I had that money. I just didn't have the courage. Right. So for yeah. me, it was luckily um, the coach I had was very inspiring too. Um, her name is Mary Jett. She is now the head of all coaches at Tom Ferry. She is an amazing person. She is like, uh, she's just like a mom, you know, um, and she was coaching John Grauman, who was like one of the top agents in the in in, in the in the nation. She yeah. was coaching uh, Gary Gold, who sold the 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 Playboy Mansion, who was at at Hilton and Highland. And, and Gary was actually the one who recommended me to to marry Jet. You know, um, so I I again very grateful to to Gary Gold, who's now a coal banker, um, because I called him and said, Hey Gary, I I know that you're coaching with Tom Ferry. And when I'm doing you know all my research, he's like, Yeah, you know, call my coach Mary Jet. So I called Mary Jet. She was coaching like 75 people, wow. right? And she's like, hey, you know, why don't I send you, you know, three or four recommendations um, here at the Tom Ferry um, coaching, you know, network that, that may be able to assist you. I talked to those coaches, but I didn't have the same connection that I had with, with, with Mary Jet, you know? So I, so I called Mary Jet again. I said, hey, Mary Jet, I know you're busy. I know you have a, a lot of clients. I'm very coachable. I am, I am ready to go. And please coach me because I I am I know that you have, um, you know what it takes to to help me grow my business. And she said, you know what, Paul, let's do it. And so wow. again, so so grateful for Mary because she actually really inspired me to leave Chad. She 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 didn't push me; she inspired me. That's the that's yeah. the, that's the difference. I did it on my own. She was yeah. actually shocked after two months of being coached by her. I left Chad, and then three months later, I hired my first assistant. Wow. Yeah. And you know, so, so what I, what I'm really hearing is she gave you the courage to bet on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny too, because betting on yourself is a very scary endeavor, even for the most confident person, because it, it also could, could not go well. And, yeah. and in your case, um, you know, you really have to commit and you did and, uh, and, and you made it work. So, so you 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 left. You found the courage to do that. Um, your coach, of course, helped you. Uh, you know, change your mindset to this. Like you can do this, but also I'm not going to push you to do it. It's a decision you have to make on your own, and whether you do it or not, I'm still your coach. And uh, and 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 you did it. And um, and then and then how did things you know blossom from there? Well, so again, I didn't have a network, even though I've been in LA for a long time. You know, I think my network was really outside of LA, you know, I, I, I had a small network in LA from, you know, just kind of meeting people at, you know, going out and whatnot, but I really didn't, I, I'm not really a networker, you know, that's not how I get my business. Right. 
Um, and a lot of people in LA that are su successful actually are good networkers, but that, that's not me. I don't like to go out at night and like smooze. That's not my thing. So when I was, you know, listening to how other agents, you know, grow their business, you know, cold calling expires was a great way to grow the business. So I started, call, I, I started cold calling expires, you know, and it, and it was, that was so hard for me to start doing that. And I actually started cold calling expired, I think before I, I hired Mary Jet at, at the Tom Ferry organization, and then I hired her. But I basically started cold calling expired every single day, and I was horrible at it. And I was so, I, I was so nervous getting on the phone. Like, it was like, like traumatizing for me. I was like, and my girlfriend is like, why, you know, what's like, what's going on? And she's also a coach herself, you know? So she was kind of coaching me through this whole process. But again, it was just like the mindset, like I just wasn't there and I didn't have, I guess, I didn't have the confidence yet to, to really cold call these people. And when you're cold calling, you know, you know, two, three, four, five and plus million dollar houses, they're getting calls from everybody in their mind. Everybody. Like, I mean, yeah. like people from like, like an hour away are calling them. It's nuts. So you were so, only calling luxury expireds or were you, okay. Yeah. So, so you somehow only subscribed, luxury. did you subscribe to a service that gives you those leads or did you just find them in, in the MLS as they would expire? So at the time I was using Red X, I'm now using sure. Vulcan, but at the time I was using Red X and I think there's like a filter of doing like only houses over a million dollars. So I was only, I mean, like, listen, anything in LA right now, it, right. Like anything over a, a million dollars is like a, like a, like a teardown, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's like. Like, I, I, like the word luxury, it's like, I don't even know what that means anymore. Cause here, here in LA is it's a $2 million property, a, like a luxury property, because it's like a three bedroom, two bath, 1200 square foot house in an Amazing. okay neighborhood. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Right. So, so with that being said, uh, you know, I started, I started cold calling expireds. And, oh, and by the way, I want, I want to pause you for a yeah. second, because, yeah, yeah, because for, sure. for those of you that have never, I, I feel like that art of, of calling for sale by owners, calling expired listings, uh, isn't as popular um anymore well first of all people you know look most people don't like making cold calls um yeah. and calling for sale by owners or expireds is well, we'll say just expireds expireds particularly difficult because it was on the market probably with another realtor it yeah. didn't go well it didn't property didn't you know, transact and so you may you may be calling somebody who now hates realtors or hates the previous yeah. realtor or and as you said is also because it's a luxury property um at least by, by the price um it is now you know very attractive to everyone who buys these leads which is a lot mm -hmm. of agents so you're right. People from an hour away. Sure. I'll drive in for a $2 million property, of course. So now the yeah. owner is getting bombarded with, you're probably not the first phone call, even of the day, uh, when you call them. So, so can you just talk a little bit about what those calls were like, just because I love the fact that you started calling FISBOs and, and, or, or sorry, uh, expired listings and, um, were able to, you know, still, still build a luxury practice out of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew that like, that was really the only way that I wanted to do things. Cause again, yeah. I'm not an, I'm, I'm not a networker. That's not my thing. Sure. Um, um, I'm not going out at nighttime and going to events. Right. So I like to be home, you know, during the week. Um, so it's, it's either open houses, door knocking or expires. And I still don't have the courage to go, to go door knocking yet. So I started with expires, right. That was the, that was my first step into building my confidence and into doing scary things. And a book that I like to read um, um, that really inspired me was uh, Miracle Morning. 
Oh yeah. Hal, um, Hal Elrod. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Great book. So highly recommend it for any, for, for any listeners. So me and my girlfriend started doing that. So we would start waking up early, you know, 545 alarm, getting up at five, you know, me- meditation, journal, workouts. Um, uh, there's a couple other things there. Uh, I forgot what, uh, what they are. Uh, but, but doing that every single morning, and then that really propels you to a very successful day, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I started doing that, but, but making the calls was, was really tough. You know, sure. the good thing is that I, I, I knew the market. So that was one, I knew the market, which is really important. And number two, I was at a great brokerage Hilton and yeah. Highland, and we only have one office and only 150 agents. So it was only really in my office is only one other agent that, that does expired, um, uh, calls. So if, if I'm calling, Hey, it's Paul Salazar at Hilton and Highland. I kind of not, not everybody, but most people will know that, that, that brand name. And they'll, they'll say, you know what, there's only a few agents at that, at that brokerage. It's a very, very popular brokerage here in the area for high, high end residential. And so they, they, they gave me a little bit more respect, right? That's nice. Yeah. So, so that definitely helped me out. Okay. But at the end of the day, it's, you, you just have to know how, you know, you obviously have to have a script that you, that you internalized. You have to know it from, you know, you have to just understand the script. There's only going to be a few different uh, objections and you have to know how to handle it. And more importantly, it's the, it's your tonality. Yes. And th- that's what I learned is tonality is so important. Right. Um, and everybody's different. I'm really good with a certain demographic ladies that are like 60 plus, you know, that's your sweet spot. Yeah. That was my sweet spot. So that was my first listing. And, and, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a a $2.1 million listing. And they had interviewed the other agent at my office who was like the king of expireds in, in, in LA who does a ton of expireds. And I actually beat him. uh, I beat him to the listing, which is great. Um, And, and the way I did it, it was just like, I was just personable. And, and I, you know, and what I started to create after that was how do I become the best listing agent in LA? What do I have to do to become the best listing agent in LA? So that was really my, my mindset going forward is how do I create, um, you know, a great listing, right? So what does that involve? And how do I also, um, show my next prospect, how I just transformed this property sold it for record price, you know, you know, you know, short days on market, it was on the market for six months. I sold it in a weekend, you know, so I started to, 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 to create those marketing pieces to help yeah. me get the, the next listing and the next listing and the next listing. And I started just to just really hone in on my listing skills and my negotiation skills and my sales skills to really go from expired to sold, you know, and I have, I have like, you know, like 15 now case studies of these houses that were once on the market, I transformed them and I was able to get them sold. You know, that's, that's such a great approach. This idea of sort of what we would maybe call story selling this idea of, Hey, let me tell you about this previous thing Mm -hmm. versus here's why I'm the best choice, which I'm sure you do have that as part of your pitch as well of like, here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's the X, Y, and Z of what I'm going to do. But let me tell you about this last property I just worked on. Here's what I did to that. Here's the result. Um, and you know, you're sort of sharing that, that whole journey yeah. to somebody. That's a very powerful approach that I suspect 
a lot of agents don't think that way. It's more like, hey, if you look at my reputation, if you look at what I what I do in general, I'm a big deal, or, you know, without saying I'm a big deal. Um, whereas you're telling very specific stories of previous experiences you have. And that is yeah. that's a very unique approach, actually. I think that's that's quite, quite smart and obviously started resonating with these uh with these expireds. And honestly, like because of expireds, like that's what helped me grow my business. Like that it's it's because of expireds. Um, because you know, from there you hold open houses, you find buyers from there, you go door knock the neighborhood from there, you start just start little by little, start building your business. Um, and you know, like, uh, I, I, again, I, I think 60% of, of my business right now is still expired, still new business. Cause I don't have enough old business to get repeat clients. I don't, I don't, I don't have the, the, like, like the luxury of being like, Hey, Paul, you sold my property two years ago. I, I want to buy something. Like I, I rarely get those calls, maybe two or three times a year. Obviously, as I grow my business, like I'm getting more and more of those calls, but I still cannot rely on that. I still rely on circle dialing, on door knocking, on sending mailers, on calling expired and doing open houses. Let, let's talk about door knocking because so few of our guests on... Uh, I, I've had a few guests that have that have talked about door knocking. I suspect mm-hmm. more more have done it. Maybe just don't talk about it. But that is also, um, I think, a very courageous thing to do, and it's very difficult. Um, so, as you you know, tell us your approach for door knocking. Just you know, are you are you door knocking in neighborhoods where you just or you're currently selling a property or just sold a property? Oh, by the way, I just you know I ha- helped your neighbor mm-hmm. down the street. Just wanted to introduce myself. That kind of thing. Or how how did you go about doing that? Well, I, I have a geo farm, right? So here, here in Venice in, in the, in the West side, Venice beach, I have like a, you know, like a 500, you know, home, you know, community that I'm constantly working on. Right. So that's, that's how I started door knocking. Right. And again, this is all from Tom Ferry, Mary Jet saying, Hey, you have to have a, uh, you have to have four lead pillars. One is, you know, for, so when I first started coaching with them, it was geo farm expires, open houses, and then my past clients, which is very, very little. Right. Sure. So, so you know, door knocking to me is the most effective way of prospecting hands down. Wow. You can't beat it more effective it. than it calling expires more. It, it just takes a lot of time and effort and energy. Sure. And that's why people don't do it because it's like, you have to go out there. You have to have like a marketing piece. You have to go and door knock. It's like, it's a, it's a lot of time and effort. You know, cold calling is a little bit easier. You're at home. You could be in your PJs. You could just, you know, get out of bed and do it. Right. But when you're door knocking, you have to, you know, I gotta shave. I gotta look good. I gotta look presentable. Sure. Um, I gotta, I gotta understand the market in this little area. Um, but you know, I've from one of my door knocking deals, this is actually during COVID, right. Wow. Where I couldn't actually door knock, but I was still passing out flyers. Um, and if somebody was out in the front of the door, I was, you know, like if they're out in their yard, I would talk to them. So funny story is like, I, I wanted to start, I, I wanted to get into, uh, selling new developments because, um, Santiago Arana, who's one of the biggest agents in the nation, he's here in Brentwood. Actually, you know, he actually interviewed me when I first came to LA in 09. He didn't hire me, but um, he's a great agent. You know, like he, like I, I always look up to him because he's kind of like me. Like he's a you know Latin guy like me. He came from nothing and he's built an amazing business. I mean, he's a he's a freaking baller, right? Um, but he he built his business on door knocking. And, and he found a lot of teardowns and he was able to sell those to developers. And then the, the developer built a 20, 30, 40, $50 million house. And now he's selling those houses, right? Wow. So that's another great way of getting the luxury space 
if you're in an area where there's a lot of teardowns and development opportunities, right, is to start, you know, door knocking those houses, finding those sellers, finding the, the developers, which is super easy, right? So that was one of my first development deals a few years ago was during COVID, walking around in my geo farm. I knew I picked this geo farm because it had a lot of teardown potential. And a teardown is going to be three deals, three sides, right? You rep the seller who's selling the development opportunity, you rep the developer, and then you rep the, the developer when they sell it. And a good chance that you get a lead out of it or a buyer and you double end it. So there's a possibility of four, four sides and one, one deal there, right? So there's a really, you know, really, um, uh, you know, good chance that you can make some good money on these, on, on these teardowns. So anyway, so I, I was door knocking. I, I met the, the, the older couple. They were super sweet. They knew nothing about real estate at all. Um, their father just had passed away. So it was a, it was a trust sale. They had, a, they had to pay no capital gains. So it was perfect for them. They were going to cash out. I found a great developer that I now have sold multiple deals to. And, you know, and that's how I kind of started right now selling brand new developments was, was just by door knocking these houses. And, and this idea of cold calling developers, not to, Hey, I want to rep your next project, which of course every realtor would want that too. Sure. Um, but you're saying, Hey, I've got a deal for you essentially, not, mm -hmm. not a deal. I've, I've got a transaction possibly for you. Mm -hmm. Um, not a deal as in like, I've got a special offer yeah. for you, but I've got yeah. this property that, that you might be interested in Mr. And Mrs. Developer. I've never heard of anybody doing that. I don't know why that has never been talked about. That is a brilliant approach to giving, providing value to a developer to which they're like, Hey, this guy's great. He's given us business. Uh, we're going to use him for, you know, maybe other things we're doing. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, and I think my pitch to these, um, these sellers that own these um, teardowns and there's not all properties are going to be considered teardowns. You know, sure. I, I, I always look out for my clients, no matter what I always look out. Like if I was them, what would I do? Right. There's some houses that you can slap some paint on it, change some countertops. Um, and, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on, because I also specialize in like re like refurbishing a house, you know, redoing a house and selling it to an end user, right? But but there's certain houses that you can't do that. It's either too small or it needs too much work and it's a perfect teardown, right? Like the the, the developer is gonna pay more than an end user, right? So um, so what my pitch is to these, to these sellers is that I'm gonna create an offering memorandum, an, o, an OM, right? And that's not really used for, for residential brokers. Um, they don't really understand what that means. That, that's more for like commercial agents, you know, that sell sure. industrial buildings or office and retail or, or, you know, other kind of commercial um, real estate. So what I do is that I, I, I create a, with my team, like a 15, 20 page PDF and it outlines, all right, this is what we're selling. This is what, you know, what we're asking, you know, this is, you know, what the, what the land, you know, price per square foot, because we don't look at price per square foot for the house. We look at the price per square foot for the land. We show them comps of other other uh, land sales that are similar to this in the area. We also show them comps of what uh, a new development will sell for in the area. We also show them what they can build per the underbuilt report, which is a company here in the area that can tell me how big of a house I can build on it. And then I email it to developers. And then Brilliant. I say, give me a call. I say, give me a call. And now they they trust me even more because I created this great marketing piece that took me three hours and they trust me like this guy's a real deal. Right. 
And so I start calling these developers. I said, hey, and it's so easy to, to find developers. So there's no excuse for anybody not to find a developer. All you do is you go on the MLS, you find out all the new developments that have sold. You look at public records, you saw who sold them. If it's an LLC, you look up the LLC, you look at the manager, you, you find them online. They have a website, you give them a call. It literally takes five minutes, right? Yeah. It's super, super easy. So that's how it started. And I luckily sold it to a, a great developer who I have a great relationship now. And now I've already sold them a few other properties that are now being built. And that house, I sold it originally teardown for 1.6 million. So I double ended that. And then we sold it two months ago for 4.2 million. And, and we put a big sign in front of the house as, as they were building it, you know, as they were you know, building the whole house, a huge sign, a massive sign with a QR code to a, like a website. And I got, I got a buyer lead that I sold another house for 3.1 million. I got other leads that I'm working on right now. So it's like every single listing should give you two or three deals. At, at the minimum, one deal, and if you really know how to maximize it, two or three deals. So that's why I really focus on 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 getting listings. How many other agents do you know who prospect uh, developers with with opportunities like that you put together? I'm curious if that's a common practice, and if it is, I'm curious on how putting together that 15, 20 page PDF with literally step-by-step of like, here's all the work we've done. Here's the options for what you can do, Mr. and Mrs. Developer. And here's what we think, you know, estimated profit might, might be. Um, how common is that? Are you like the only guy really doing that? Is that your sort of secret sauce? Or do you feel like other people are putting together similar packages? I, I, well, it's, it's not a secret anymore. Um, but, uh, but I, I don't think anybody else is doing it. You know, yeah. again, I, I really pride myself and being detail oriented and creating really nice marketing pieces like that that's my thing like i i, I really want to have a nice brand so if you, if you go to my to my website it's very clean if you look at my at at, at my instagram profile i i try it's it's getting better and better right it's not easy to like have a nice clean bold and sophisticated look but that's sure. what that's what we're trying to build here um, but I don't know anybody else that's that's doing that. There are a lot of agents that sell a lot of developments, and they're and they're and they're doing this right. And the other way of getting these deals is by sending letters. So, like, I would drive around a whole area with my assistant, and I will pick out, tear down, tear down. We 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 write the address, we put it on an Excel file, and now we send handwritten envelopes, and we send them a letter. I just closed it. I, I'm actually under contract on a deal right now from a letter that I sent three months ago and they call me, Hey, I, I got your letter. Do you still have that buyer? I'm like, yes, I do. I put the deal together and now we're under contract for another development deal. Right. So not only door knocking or cold calling these, these teardowns, but also sending letters works. I, I love that. You're doing all of the things that you would assume a luxury agent probably doesn't have to do, right? Most luxury yeah. agents I know are not calling Fizbo's expired. They're, they're not cold calling developers. Uh, they're not writing, uh, you know, letters, or maybe they are, and maybe they're just not telling us on our show. But yeah. I appreciate yeah. that that you weren't born into this uh, sort of luxury uh, business. You you really built it. You bootstrapped it, and and you yeah. you saved up enough money so that you could you could explore that. And um and 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 I just boy, those are the best stories. I think. Um, so let's talk about because again, so many of our our agents are like, okay, I I can start doing some of those things. Um. But everybody wants to be a luxury agent. It, you know, what 
What's the major difference you found because you do 20 plus million dollar properties as well. What's the major difference between working with, you know, a seller of a, you know, let's say a, a million dollar property or, or, you know, in LA, of course, like you said, everything's kind of, or at least in, in the area you service is kind of a million dollars, even the, the smallest properties. Yeah. Uh, but what's the difference between working on the smallest property side to the ultra high net worth side? Um, are, are, are the, are the <clears> needs <throat> and, and the goals basically the same, or is it, is it kind of a different world? I mean, I think at, at the core, it's the same thing. Somebody wants to find a home, right? So, so in that in that respect, there's there's going to be an emotional attachment to selling real estate, either in high end or in a a, a lower price point, right? Sure. I think the only difference is uh, is that when you're selling real estate here, a lot of the times they have a business manager who can make things very difficult, a lawyer. Right. Sure. Um, and so they who, have, who, by the way, are not emotionally involved in the property no. that a buyer or seller might be. They're emotionally involved in keeping their their position, which their position is is to very thoroughly review the financial component of this transaction, which yeah. I'm assuming um, is is a big deal. So you not only have to win over the emotional side of the buyer or seller, but you also have to win over sort of the more empirical part, the objective part of dealing with now this team which those are those are two diff very different masters to serve i imagine yeah yeah and 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 i think most of the people that, that i service here in la not everybody but most of them are just sophisticated and they they they're they're educated and they're they're business owners they're very smart people right so they may know they may know about the property more than you do like you know if you're showing them property they may have done all the research so you have to be prepared a lot more than I was prepared when I was working in Rancho Cucamonga. I'm not saying you don't have to be prepared selling real estate in, in, a, in a smaller price point, but all I'm saying is that over here, I feel like you have to be more prepared because they are gonna ask you tough questions and, they, and they're gonna expect that you know that. They, they, they're gonna expect that you know the market, that you know the players, that you know uh, about the house, all that stuff. So I think that's the, the the biggest difference. And then and then the other thing is is when you're listing a property, I feel that you know I spend easily you know five to six thousand dollars per listing before it's even on the market. You sure. know, you know we're I'm I'm spending you know a grant to two grand on a photographer. Same for a videographer, a floor plan. I do everything. Like we do Instagram ads, we do YouTube ads, we do Google ads for for our listings we want to be the best of the best right and that's how i this is this is my plan to get to the next level like i really want to start growing my business to, to the next level i'm not there yet and i have a long way to go but i know that if i keep doing this i will get there because people are, are going to start noticing that i really take care of you i'm going to look out for you and i'm going to get you top dollar or i will get you the best price if i'm repping you as, as the buyer's agent yeah, it's so funny to hear you hear somebody say, "I've sold six hundred million in real estate. I'm not quite there yet. I'm I'm just uh just but 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 that's that's the motor that you have that keeps you going. Six hundred million yeah. is is yeah. just where you're at today. It isn't necessarily where you want to be tomorrow. Um, yeah. but it's so funny to to hear that that really it seems like your your entire career has been so much of put the blinders on, do the hard things that are are maybe a little scary and uncomfortable, but are healthy and things that other agents aren't willing to do, like 
door knocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, gosh, I would bet less than 1% of agents have ever door knocked or made a cold call, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't think people even do that as much anymore. And yet yeah. here's, here's, uh, somebody, you know, like you, who, who, who still does it. And, and that is, um, you would think a luxury agent wouldn't be going door to door. You know, we sort of have our own, you know, misconceptions about what that even means, but it is one of those rare arts, you know, this door knocking and letter writing, um, that, you know, people really appreciate if if done the right way. Um, it's, it's absolutely a lost art and has obviously been part of the secret, not secret, but part of the reason for, for your, for your, uh, ascent. Um, and so, um, let's, let's talk about, you know, I'm sure there's people that reach out to you that goes, I want to break into the luxury market. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? I, I see, I always think most agents shouldn't aspire to that unless they want to up their game. Like you were saying, now dealing with buyers and sellers who maybe are a bit more sophisticated, maybe are just more business focused. Like you said, a lot of business owners, a lot of people who have been successful in their careers um, and just have a level of sophistication that, you know, maybe people at lower price points, you know, just don't have or or aren't as interested in. Um, And so, you know, you do have to appeal to that sort of those qualities of these, of these more sophisticated buyers and sellers. Um, you know, what would your advice to be to somebody that says, I want to sell $20 million homes just like you? I, you know what? I think people glamorize because of what's on TV selling sunset and million dollar listing. And they think it's just like so easy when you go into a luxury market, the competition is at a different level. This is why I have to up my game. Like, like I, I, the only reason why I'm doing it is because when I lose a listing, I, I, I'm like, all right, why did I lose that listing? What can I do better? And now I'm adding another piece to my arsenal little by sure. little. Right. So, you know, being part of the Tom Ferry organization, uh, I see people in much smaller markets selling $500,000 houses that they're making 10 times more than me, you know? So, so I think for an agent, you have to think about, is it about, is it about the glamour of selling luxury real estate or is it about the money? Because you can make a, you can make more money selling $500,000 houses with, you know, obviously more units than selling luxury property and selling just, you know, five or, you know, or, or 10 listings or, and, or sales per year, you know, and not having to spend 5,000 plus per listing to market it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, again, like if your dream, like, for me, my dream was never to sell luxury real estate like that. that I, I never, you know, got into real estate to be in Beverly Hills. It just kind of fell into my lap, right? My mom kind of pushed me. My girlfriend was living here. I got the, you know, I got the assistant position with the, with Chad at Hilton and Highland. So everything kind of, you know, kind of just, you know, like like the road kind of led me there, right? But it wasn't like I was like I want to sell, you know, twenty million dollar listings. You know that that now I do, right? But, but before that, you know, it wasn't really a big deal for those agents that really, really want to get into luxury real estate because they, they love those kinds of houses. They want to work with those kinds of people. That's great. You should do it. I think joining a team is obviously, I think, you know, having a mentor, joining a team should be the first thing you do hundred percent. You have to learn about how, you know, what it takes to, to, to be a player, learn the players, learn the area, learn the markets who are the buyers, who are the sellers, right? Um, and then after that, create a plan. You know, how am I gonna get, you know, open houses is a great way of finding buyers, right? You know, um, cold calling, uh, door knocking. I mean, there's so many stories out there 
Santiago Arana, Dornock Brentwood for years. He's killing it. Uh, you know, the, the guys on Mundar listing, you know, Parnes, uh, you know, the, the Bond Street brothers, they also door knocked in Bel Air. So there's so many stories of people that are not even from LA and they want to do luxury real estate, but they, but they grinded their way in, you know, you got to grind your way in. It's super, super competitive. So if you got, if you got what it takes and you're, and you're competitive and you're willing to grind, then go ahead and do it. Why not? I mean, anybody can do it. I did it. And everybody, you know, a lot of other people did it too. Well, I, I think that's really such an inspiring message. If we sort of look back at your entire career, yes, there were opportunities that allowed you to get introduced to um, different types of audiences that you now work with, but nothing was handed to you at all. You you yeah. made your own luck um, by doing the things that maybe other agents wouldn't be willing to do, even from starting you know, with sending out 10,000 emails to other agents. Uh, yeah. And by the way, not being a guy who's a self-promoter, right? That is something you would think maybe a self-promoter or a schmoozer would want to do because it's a good networking yeah. sort of exercise. You were yeah. just like, I need, I need to find a mentor here. And I, and, and yeah. so you earnestly sent out all these messages. Um, and, and then, you know, everything, uh, you continue to do things like that, uh, throughout your entire career and continue to do it today. It's not like, oh, now it's just, I just get calls all day from developers and from luxury, you no. know, buyers and sellers. Um, no. you're, st- you're still, no. <laughs> uh, dr- drumming up, uh, all this business on your own. Yeah. And I, I think that's just a great, a great place to sort of, wrap up for today because it is it's like it's like reminds me of that old uh well this ancient um i think it's a zen saying i I can't remember exactly where it comes from so i apologize if i'm getting this wrong but but the expression is a good one which is before enlightenment chop wood carry water after Mm -hmm. enlightenment chop wood carry water it's like you you just got to keep keep doing the the you know the the hard things um because that's what keeps everything going um it's not like you you don't feel like you've arrived so to speak because you're no. still doing the same exact things and that's oddly uh but but also absolutely makes sense of why you're continue to be successful um yeah. and uh who knows maybe one day it'll all just come come into you without without that much effort but um it's working for you and it's a great reminder of just practicing the fundamentals and consistently yeah. applying those just the same way we built our podcast here it wasn't any one interview that got us you know, um, and yeah, it's just, just consistency and talking to people like yourself and and what, what you shared was really super inspiring today. So I hope, uh, I don't even hope, I know our audience has received a tremendous amount of benefit for any agents out there, um, who might be, might have clients that are moving to, you know, to the more exclusive areas of, of LA and the suburbs, um, and are looking, you know, maybe they don't service that particular area. Maybe they're in a different state, but they have clients who maybe have second, third, fourth homes. Um, and they maybe want to partner with a top agent like yourself, or if there's, uh, you know, anyone who is in the Beverly Hills and surrounding areas, who's a buyer, seller, investor, developer, renter, uh, who wants to work with you directly, you know, what's the best way that one of our listeners could reach out to you? Call me, text me, email me, Instagram. It like, I, I check all those things. So like my cell phone, 310-387-1976, uh, you know, call me, shoot me a text, uh, email paul at paulsalazargroup.com, uh, Instagram at paulsalazargroup. So very easy to, to get in, uh, in touch with me. Um, I've, I've actually, you know, been, re- you know, I've, I've had people reach out to me to ask for advice. I always, you know, 
you know, give them, you know, a few minutes of my time to, because I, I, listen, I respect that. You know, I was there at one point and I respect people that like go out there and reach out and like, you know, want to ask for advice. I've actually given like, there's like a kid in high school that sent me a long email saying he wants me to mentor him. I brought him to my open house. Now he helps me out with things. It's like it, it, when you put yourself out there, the, the, the world is, is, is going to give you gifts, you know? And, and, and I think a lot of people don't put themselves out there because it's, it feels vulnerable. You got to get uncomfortable. You got to be sure. vulnerable. And the more vulnerable you get, the more uncomfortable uh, you get, the more difficult things you do, the more you start to feel like empowered by yourself. Like, wow, I can do that. You know, I, I think that's probably my biggest tip for any listener here is just start doing small things every single day that are, that are difficult, you know, taking a cold shower in the morning, waking up early, working out in the morning, um, making a, you know, one cold call, door knocking one door, um, you know, going out and just meeting somebody, uh, striking up a conversation. And you start to realize that, wow, why am I even worried about that? Why was I scared about that? You know, there's, we just have these, these, these fears because, you know, we, we, we've had this, it's a, it's a human condition, right? Sure. But, but once you get over this, then you start to get more empowered and you start to do more and more difficult things. Like I still have a lot of things that I want to do that are, that are difficult that I'm still, you know, getting to little by little. Cold showers is such a great example of a small thing that any, anybody can try. And it is shockingly difficult. It's more difficult than you think it's going yeah. to be thinking about yeah. it now. It's actually two times harder than what yeah. you're even thinking. Yeah. And if you can, if you, I want everybody to try this tomorrow and it's not because having a cold shower in and of itself is anything it's, yeah. it's the, the idea of it. And, and people say there's some health benefits, whatever that, that may or may not be, but what, what there definitely is a benefit is you, if you can make it 30 seconds, 60 seconds mm -hmm. and, and complete it, you will feel Amazing. as much jubilation as if you just ran a marathon because it is yeah. that difficult. And, and that is an easy win. It's not an easy one. It's a very difficult win. If you can do that daily, I promise just do it. Try it once tomorrow. Try to make it 10 seconds on ice cold all the way to cold. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough. It, it, I, I did yeah. it for about a year. I need to get back into it. I did it many years ago. It took me months to find the courage to do it months and months and months. Yeah, and it sounds silly. I, 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 I know I'm, I'm just talking about this one specific thing, but it's a, something that you, you will, it, again, you will feel unbelievable as you walk out of that shower. Agreed. You'll be like, yeah. I just did something crazy hard. And you're yeah. right. Then other things which maybe aren't quite as difficult, don't seem as bad as, as exactly. they did before. So, oh my gosh, what a, what a great thing. So do hard things, people that are healthy, do hard things that are yeah. healthy. Uh, and, and Paul, what a great, great place to wrap up. So everyone go, please. Paul's a wonderful guy. Reach out to him if you need some assistance. Also, if you have clients that are moving to, to the Southern California, talk to Paul. He wants, he wants to chat with you and, and he certainly yeah. is, is a great realtor to have in your, uh, in your database. And Paul, on behalf of our audience, thank you so much for coming on our yeah. show. We, this is such a, such a pleasure to have you. And if I, if I ever make it out to, um, to, to LA, I haven't been there in many years. I need to come back. I want to you know yeah. say hi to you in person and, um, yeah. and, and yeah. see we'll you in action. That would yeah, be fun. Um, and on, be absolutely. on behalf of Paul and myself, we want to thank everyone for making it to the end of the episode. Please do us do, do us one favor. 
this has been an amazing episode. I want everybody to think of one other realtor that needs to hear what Paul had to say and just send them a link to our either this episode or our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com. You will help somebody by sending this to some struggling agent in your office or maybe, you know, another agent from a different office that you know that could use, you know, this sort of um this sort of sort of pep talk from somebody who started with really no major help uh, and, and built this incredible career and is really just getting started. And it'll be inspiring to, to everybody else. You'll be actually helping people do that. And you're helping us as well. So please send a link to this episode. Other than that, Paul, I am so excited to continue to watch your journey. And um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And we'll see everybody on the next episode. Thanks, Paul. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. Uh-huh.